Hey, good morning, Nashville. This is the Money Man Mike Show, where we talk all things real estate here on News Radio 1510 WLAC. I'm your host, Michael Thayer from Waterstone Mortgage. I'm MLS licensed, and my license number is 173264. Joining me in studio today, we have Mr. Chris Corvo from Midtown Title. How are you, sir? Good morning, Mr. Thayer. I'm fantastic. How are you? Not bad, man. Not bad. I am just trying to make it through today, man. It was a long, long week, and I'm just like worn out, but I'm ready for today, man. I am ready, ready, ready. We have a ton of stuff to get through, so man, it's not... We can't delay it, man. We just got to jump into this sucker. Seems like it's been forever since I've been here, so uh, it feels good to be back in the back in the seat again, back been, in the saddle. You've been closing all the deals. You've been busy. We have been busy. I mean, unbelievably, how many closings are going on? If you read anything in the papers or the news, you know that there are still record number of no, transactions going numbers. on. And I can tell you, we feel it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know, we we know it's going on and. You know, there's still a lot of people talk about house and crunches, but houses are still being bought and sold every oh single gosh, day of the week. It's like you hear about the shortage and people can't get contracts on houses, but yet we don't, we're not slowing down. No. It's like, oh my gosh. You know, we had a little bit of a lull right before school started, which is yes. typical. And we only have, we have certain slow periods of the year uh, right before school. And yeah. then uh, usually right between Thanksgiving and Christmas mm-hmm. are the slow periods where people aren't doing that. But, man, after it was kind of a knife reprieve, you know. Yeah, and, it was. Uh, it was kind of caught your breath just a yeah. little bit. and But it was back on with a fury. And, <laughs> I mean, we've got people in and out of our offices every single day, and which is a great thing. We're, yeah. we're thrilled. So, uh, But people are still buying and selling. Rates are good. Yeah. So, and houses are moving. Yeah, it's like nose, man, it's just just down, just go, 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 go. There's no coming up for breath. It's just go, go, go. A lot of my clients are always, you know, asking to do stuff, and I'm like, I just can't go. We can't. I can't get out of the office. I can't schedule time to be out of the office. I mean, we're mm-hmm. literally all hands on deck trying to get closings done all the time, and especially on, a fr- on Fridays. All, every Friday we have – there's like a no time off on a Friday policy in our office right <laughs> Don't now. Don't even ask. Because <laughs> everybody likes to close on Friday because it's time to uh, move, move over the weekend. Absolutely. And so as most people are winding their weeks down, yeah. uh, we've been gearing up yes. all day for that. And so uh, Friday nights, we usually end up spending together as a team at the office. <laughs> and it used to seem like end of the month was... Oh, the when, go time. Yeah, I mean, everything ratcheted up the third and fourth week of the month. And then the going into the first week of the new month, you had a little of the stragglers and stuff like that didn't close. And then you kind of had a time to catch your breath. But now it's just like it's nonstop. A- there is no end of the month anymore. Well, you know, some of the changes that happen, one of them being this new closing disclosure that we do instead of the HUD statements, they have to be out three mandatory three days right. um, to the homeowners prior to closing. So whereas before everything would kind of pile on the last day of the month, which it still does, a lot of times we know three days in advance if it's not going to go now because right. if those documents didn't get out to the home get, didn't get out to the buyers by the three days, there's no way it's going to go. Right. So that has really changed the rules a little bit on how on how we work. But now it's just made it a made it crazy. <laughs> uh, and I know we can see my hands going up, but they just made yeah. it crazy all week long. Uh, going across uh, to do that. So, you know, we're very fortunate to live in a city where uh, people want to be. Yes. 
People keep on moving to Nashville, man. I mean, we were talking off air, and we know we'll get into it here. You know, some of the statistics and stuff that are going on, and who's coming, who's going, and it's just it's just continues to, to see new faces in this city every day. Every day, man. Every day. Yeah, we're gonna get into uh, some numbers later on that uh, Glassdoor um, put out some studies on um, the top cities to live in throughout the U.S. And where Nashville ranks on that list, along with some of the top jobs to have in the U.S. So we're going to jump into that here in a few segments. But at first, I want to get into the man, all the this, elephant in the room, yeah, the flood the, insurance. Yes, man. All the poor people, man. All the stuff going on down in Houston and down in Florida from the uh, from Harvey and Irma. And, you know, if you never, ever have experienced a hurricane, man, you just, when people say that the the storm surge literally comes up in a blink of an eye, unless you've experienced it. It's like a tsunami. I mean, it's instantly, it, just one minute it's there. I mean, one minute it's not there, and next minute it's there. I mean, it's incredible how fast it will just come on and it's there. And the devastation that goes on in during one of those storms is just incredible. And the problem that I fear that we're going to see after the fact of these storms is the flood insurance problems because there are several articles written out uh, written lately. One was published by Vox. Another one was done by uh, CNBC that were quoting that there's um, let's see Harris County, Texas alone holds more than two hundred and forty thousand flood policies for flood insurance and they cover and they total more than 60 billion in coverage okay so there's 60 billion in coverage now this is important to note because before this even happened before harvey even happened the national flood insurance program was already 24 billion in debt yeah, I know there were some issues with that, and and you know I grew up in Florida, so I've been around this kind of stuff and seen it, and I've seen what home uh, insurance has done, and and uh, you know a lot of insurance companies have gotten out of the insurance business yeah. in those areas just because of the continual catastrophic events that happen, and mm-hmm. uh, and sometimes if you live inlet, you don't have to have flood insurance. No, and that's another part of the problem is there there was like I think eighty percent of the people in the area of Houston alone were in what was called a thousand-year flood zone, which they don't even write policies for thousand-year flood zones. So you can't even buy it. You, you can go in and say, I want flood insurance. They don't have anything to sell to you. And these people got hit with the flood. So they're totally screwed. They don't have anything to cover them. So it's like, now what do you do? How do you help them? And, you know, the, the way they're going to have to – Circle back and look at the flood insurance program as a as a whole. Something's got to be done, but uh, I don't have the solutions to it. But uh, definitely, we're gonna we're gonna have to jump out till break here in a second. But when we come back, we're gonna talk about how that's going to impact properties potentially that require flood insurance to where it might double the prices for the flood insurance. It might triple them. It might make them uninsurable. Uninsurable, totally. So you've been listening to the Money Man Mike Show here on News Radio 1510 WLAC. We'll be right back.
Hey, welcome back to News Radio 1510 WLAC. You're listening to the Money Man Mike Show. We talk all things real estate. For the break, we're talking about the floods from uh, Hurricane Harvey and uh, Hurricane Irma down in Florida. And, you know, it's pure speculation of what we're talking about. But at the same time, I think it's a little bit of dose of reality. Um, something has to be done with the flood insurance program. We're all going to feel the effect of, of anybody that is buying or purchasing, selling or buying a property that's in a flood zone, you're going to see some sort of increase or see some sort of change to the flood insurance program that you're paying. Um, but I mean... Well, some of these areas are out, are in an area where the private sector won't insure, so they're underneath federal insurance programs. Right. And I mean, whether that's being changed or they allow private... I don't know what the answers are, but just just be... Just be alert or be aware of it when you're looking at properties. If it's in the flood zone, something's going to change. Well, federal insurance is actually capped at $250,000 if you have a federal policy. That's true, too. So if you have a house that's worth more than that, all you're getting is two fifty. if it's in an area that's even uninsurable at that point. Right. Uh, to do that, and if you were in an area that where you didn't have to have flood insurance and you were flooded, your homeowner's insurance does not, not cover no. Anything due to flood damage, and that's no. the big problem we had here in the 210 floods. Exactly, 2010 floods was the fact that so many people were not in a flood zone, and they lost everything. Exactly, and uh, they didn't they they didn't have anything to fall back on, and there's no way anybody's going to cover that. So even high rise buildings, you can be on the 20th floor, and your mm-hmm. building could be in a flood zone. Why? Because the mechanicals may be in the bottom floor, mm-hmm. which may just cause damage to your unit if the AC unit's down there. So right. people say, heck, I'm on the 20th floor. Why do I need that? Well, that's why. Maybe your AC mm-hmm. unit's in the garage or, or in, in, in a lower spot to do that. But uh, I think, but a lot of people lost everything. Literally. And just going through the red tape and, and, and getting those papers filled out, and I don't know how, I mean, obviously from an insurance standpoint, for every policy you're right, you're supposed to have a reserve set aside mm-hmm. to cover what policies you've written. Um, so I'm assuming there's enough money out there to do it, but I don't know either, A, how these companies don't go bankrupt, right. these right. insurance companies, or they <clears throat> simply just limit how much money people are getting, or they're going to make it so bad for people afterwards. Yeah, I, I don't, I feel sorry for everybody that's been touched by these storms. It's it's not going to be a pleasant experience, unfortunately. And it seems like it keeps coming more and more frequently anymore uh, to do that. And there's there's been several discussions about that, which this is probably not the show for that. No, that's a different uh, conversation. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, that being said, that people like I've got family in Florida, and I mean their and their homeowners insurance is just is astronomical. People move here and they can't believe. Yeah, how cheap insurance is, and of course I complain every day. I mean, I can't believe <laughs> it's a different how, way. How expensive my insurance right, right. is. We look I know. At it from two different ways, two different uh, perspectives. But uh, but yeah, so that's one of the things that happened here. Also, was the flood maps got changed after the 2010 floods here because mm-hmm. a lot of people the flood maps were from the 50s. Yeah. We had a client just uh, not too long ago that uh, purchased a property, and literally just in uh, I don't know four months ago. They received a notice that their property has been reclassified as now being in a flood zone. And here we are seven years later. And it wasn't in a flood zone when he purchased it. You know, Metro here locally has a flood overlay on properties. So you could be in a in a zone that FEMA says is not a floodplain, but Metro could deem you to be in a flood zone. Then you'd have to carry flood insurance. 
at that point in time. So, I mean, their overlay is far reaching over what the FEMA maps call yeah. for to uh, that say that you're in a flood zone. So a lot of people have problems with that, with all these creeks that run everywhere. And I was about to say, it's, as much as I'd hate to pay the extra insurance, it's not that expensive, but yet to have that peace of mind. And typically, if you're in one of the low-risk areas, you're talking, what, a couple hundred bucks, if that. So, I mean, to me, it's like just be done with it. Yeah, and you can buy different types of flood insurance even if you're not in a flood zone. People think you can't always get insurance, and I wish we had an insurance guy on Yeah, I know. It's just perfect show to have an insurance guy. Uh, to uh, to go through this, maybe we can uh, Where's Brian and Darla? phone a friend when we need yeah. one here uh, to do that. But there's uh, you can definitely get different types of insurance for flooding, and, and we can even push this as far as to say, is what if you have a septic tank or you have a water pipe bust in your house and it floods? Different different coverage. I know, but I mean that that falls into is it a sewer backup flooding mm, or yeah. or what? So I mean, there's so many different cases of of floods that can happen with people that their homeowners insurance policies simply just might not cover. Right. We'll make notes of that and get the insurance guys back in there and, and bring all this back to back full circle and talk about it. But you know, the other piece of this is the real estate business in both Houston and Florida. I mean, effectively. Some of those areas are mandatory layoffs. I mean, what are those people supposed to do? In the town I'm from near Tampa, I, I'm friends on social media with a lot of people down there, and they've had no power for, what, a week and a half now? Yeah. I mean, so nobody's working. You're right. Exactly. Mandatory layoff, essentially. Uh, people are sitting in their cars in the air conditioner, charging their phones. Yeah. Trying to get, uh, just trying to get by right now, but there's nobody, nobody's working. Nobody's, there's no business transacting and which I know that life has to get back together before people can move on with their life. But I mean, it's just simple stuff like that, that you don't go anywhere. You don't do anything no. um, because gas is still scarce. Right. No place even has, a lot of places don't even have power. Even if you had gas, you don't have power to pump the gas. And if you don't have power, you can't, you can't use the debit cards machines or the credit card machines to access the credit card to make the sale work. I mean, it's all the simple things that we take for granted in everyday life that are no longer there. It's the funny thing about the hurricanes is that everybody, you know, they had that mandatory evacuation, you know, and I guess the news and the media has a lot to do with that now. But when we were kids, nobody left. Uh-huh. We just stayed there. And I don't know if we just didn't know any better or what. So, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe we've gotten smarter as a society. I don't know. But like my family wouldn't leave, and my wife was so upset. She was like, "I can't believe they won't leave." And I'm like, "We we never left either when we were growing up." So I right. uh, just kind of stayed there. And so a lot of people chose to road it out, and I think they kind of regretted that. My folks kind of regretted that decision right. because it was a little scarier scarier mm-hmm. than they thought it was. And uh, so now they're down there living off generators and no gas and mm-hmm. stuff. And I'm just like, "Well, you could have been here living a lot right. more comfortably." I think the with the internet, social media, and everything, now we can see things so much quicker. And, I mean, you know what's coming. So it's like, yeah, you don't want any of that anymore. So it's just like, yeah, we're, we're evacuating. You know what the storms prior did and all the documentation from Hugo and so forth. So it's like, yeah, we've learned our lessons from prior storms that have come through. But, you know, from a real estate point of view, you know, if you, if you were in the middle of a transaction right now, let's say we were in, let's say, northern Florida, the Panhandle area, where, you know, didn't get hit so hard. There's still not going to be just this seamless piece of business that's, hey, let's just go back and let's go to closing to where, you know, storm's here, it's gone, let's go to closing tomorrow. It doesn't work that way because 
the you know Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, FHA, VA, whoever your loan's going through, they're more than likely going to say, hey, we want the appraiser to go back out and look at the property and do what's called a 1004, a 1004D, which is an appraisal reinspection, and take pictures and show us that the house is still there. Is the roof still on? Is you know is it still intact? Are we still lending on the same property that's in the same condition that we approved initially prior to the storm? So it's not just like, hey, all right, all your settlement papers are there. Let's go sign. No, you've got to basically go get this appraisal reinspection done, put you it back in the Yeah, and go back back through the whole process. Well, not the whole process. Well, floods are the most common natural disaster in the United States. Most common. The most common. The average flood claim is nearly $42,000. That's the statistics are saying. Wow. Uh, yes. And um, flood homes are more common in the South, 21%. And you are right that the National Flood Insurance Program um, has accumulated $24, million, $24 billion yeah. in debt. They owe the U.S. Treasury $24 billion. That was bef- before. before. That was in 2016 at that point in time. So Prior to Harvey. Prior to Harvey and Irma at yeah. that point in time. So uh, bailout maybe? I don't, uh, I, I don't know. But, I mean, when you have $24 billion in the red, and you've got $60 billion pending in just Houston alone prior to Irma hitting the Florida, uh, something's got to change. There, something, I don't know what it is, but something's going to be changing. Let's talk some good news, man. Hey, we're going to talk about Nashville, where it ranks on the top list of cities to live in. You've been listening to the Money Man Mike Show here on News Radio 1510 WAC. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to News Radio 1510 WLAC. I'm all tongue twisted here on the Money Man Mike Show. We were talking about the flood insurance and uh, Hurricane Harvey and Irma and everything else going on. And uh, one other piece we want to talk talk about about that is, you know, it's a little bit of a doom and gloom we were talking about in the first two segments there. But the one positive thing I could say about it, the you know, all the hurricane news as of late is FHA has a program that's called the 203H uh, Disaster uh, 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 Victims Program. And basically, it will allow zero um, zero uh, money down. Uh, you can take and still have typical seller paid closing costs, a whole nine yards. You can actually finance things in with premium pricing to whole nine yards. So if you've got somebody coming or being relocated from a hurricane-devastated uh, area, FHA is opening up a few new channels that will basically give them some different options for financing. So it's not all bad news, but at the same time, man, it's our heart goes out to anybody that's been hurt or Yeah, and I would tell people definitely check with their local insurance agent that they work with to find out what what they are and aren't covered for. If they can get flood insurance, if they think they need it, if they have some sort of protection for flood, and uh, just just ask your professional that you work with to find out because if once it happens and if you don't have it, it's too late. Yeah, it's it's it is too late. So, twenty five best cities for jobs in two thousand seventeen, according to the Glass Door. Where do you think Tennessee uh, – right, actually, where do you think Nashville ranks on that list? Got to be number one. I would think it's number one. It's, Jimmy. 
No, I'm going to say two just to be different. Come on, Jimmy. If you drive up and down every road, there's a now hiring sign up on there. So, yeah. uh, I don't know. Enlighten us. It's not number two. Number one. No, Pittsburgh, PA is number one, believe it or not. <laughs> wow, yeah. the job capital of the world. Yeah. They don't have to worry about me moving there. <laughs> Come on, what's wrong with Pittsburgh, man? Nothing. Nashville's better. Well, I agree with that. Mm. Pittsburgh is number one. They basically have 95, a little over 95,000 job openings. Wow. Now, compared to Nashville, Nashville has a little over 80,000 job openings. The median salary up in Pittsburgh is 44,000. Nashville's is 42. Um, job satisfaction rating is 3.2 up in Pittsburgh. Nashville's actually 3.4. The median home price, or actually median home value up in Pittsburgh is 137000 But you know what the biggest difference is? It's not Nashville. Pittsburgh's a blue-collar town, and you have to work when you live in Pittsburgh. I mean real work. Work. Iron and shovels and sweat. <laughs> not like what we do. I wish you could see, we, we see sit his down. facial expression when he said that. <laughs> It is a blue-collar town, man. We complain when the air conditioner, you know, won't kick past 75. It's like, man, it's hot in here. It's like, it ain't hot. We do complain when the air conditioner doesn't kick up. Go get a job outside (laughs) all day. See what happens. Versus Nashville's median home value of 220. Yeah. So the affordability is much harder here in Nashville than what it is in Pittsburgh. Yeah. So Nashville is actually 20th on the list. What? Wow. I don't believe that. Yeah. Man, they need to re- they need to do a repoll on this. You start looking at some of the stuff. It's it all comes down to the housing prices and and uh, the job openings and then the median um, income. Well, our problem is affordability. Probably knocks yeah. us down that it does. that pipeline. I mean, anybody who's been out shopping for apartments or houses in the Nashville area recently can probably attest to that. Everything every city ahead of us either has a higher base salary or lower home value. Or either, yeah, one of those two is a higher, um, they have a higher number than we do. But basically, your top five, it's Pittsburgh, PA, Indianapolis, Indiana, uh, Kansas City, Missouri, Raleigh, Durham, and St. Louis, Missouri. Hmm. Believe it or not, Memphis, Tennessee is six. Columbus, Ohio. Please. Yeah. But home value, 119000 Home, uh, Columbus, Ohio, seven. Cincinnati, Ohio, eight. Cleveland, Ohio, ninth, and Louisville, 10th. Well, okay. Well, there you go. There you go. Well, maybe we'll find some way to climb that chart a little bit more. But Still. Uh, I can guarantee you there's plenty of jobs here. Um, I can guarantee you there's plenty of places that are unaffordable. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so there we go. But, man, you just come to Nashville no matter where you're at. And just, you tell people you're from Nashville, that's just they just are, they flock to you, Oh, man, they do. They're like, oh, my gosh, I love Nashville. And, you know, it's just – like Jimmy said, man, it's it's just the place to be. I had to go uh, out of town recently for a business trip, and they said, hey, where are you from? And, and people just, oh, yeah, I was just there. And they start busting out their phone, showing you pictures. I was here. Yeah. I was there. And it's just like everyone who wants to come here or they've been here, they're just like they love Nashville. But, you know, the cool thing I like about this article from Glassdoor is, um, you know, the job openings. And, you know, to me, when you start taking – and you look at you look at this, and you look at all the other things that are posted. I mean, it starts to it starts to give some credibility to all of the things that you hear about. There's X number of people moving here a day. 
there's not one specific report you can put your hand on that really validates that how many people are moving here a day. But when you start seeing, okay, this business is relocating here, this job, this business is relocating here, all these things that are going on, and then you see this and you start layering everything together, you start to understand and you can start to say, okay, yeah, there is really this many opportunities here in Nashville. I don't think it goes into the overall health of the economy in the U.S. right now. Uh, we're very fortunate to be uh, in a place, you know, we have a work and work workforce shortage at this point in time of people that that are qualified to do these jobs. And, and that's a strange problem to have is that when you have openings, you can't fill them with qualified people. Uh-huh. But it goes to the overall health of our economy right now. Hopefully it's going to sustain uh, for some period of time to uh, to do that. All right, here's another one. All right. Best job in America. Or who won? Radio DJ. Oh, that's by far the best job. (laughs) What are you you laughing about, Jimmy? Oh, no. You know, if you don't like making money, it's a great job. Oh, Jimmy, come on now. See, I'm going to go with. Top five. I don't know, video game player. In the country? Yeah. Hmm. Nurse. CEO. No. I mean, what are we basing this on? Easy job, a lot of money, or what? I mean, number five, so, analytics manager. Okay. Analytics. Yeah, I didn't like that class in college. Number four, tax manager. Ooh, that just doesn't sound fun to me. That does not sound no. fun. Well, the uh, analytics manager, uh, medium base salary is one hundred twelve. Tax manager is 110. Uh, number three is data engineer, 106. So you sit all day and just type, okay? Pretty right. much. Yeah, that sounds like a blast. Um, <laughs> development ops engineer, I guess, is what this is abbreviated for. 110 base salary. And then data scientist is number one at 110. Okay, since all these are six-figure incomes, I'm guessing this is based on money, not so much quality of job. Or how much you enjoy it. That, but it also has a job satisfaction rating, and it also has job openings. There's like four over 4,000 job openings for data set, a scientist, uh, over 2,700 for development ops engineer, uh, data engineer, almost 2,600, uh, tax manager, 3,300, analytics, right under two grand. So, I mean, there's tons of these jobs open. Hmm. In, Pits- in Pittsburgh. In Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Well, I, I don't know any of those people. I mean, I know a tax person, obviously, but I don't know any of those people, period, that do that. So that's probably why there's that many openings. You know, the cool thing about a lot of these jobs? It's like IRS agents. You never, I've never met one. You, you could probably telecommute in all these things. That's possible. I mean, you could work from anywhere. And there's, I mean, so many more companies are letting you do that these days. So... We're going to come through, um, go through the rest of this list. We got to go out to a break real quick, but uh, we're going to jump through here and hit a few of these other highlights. You know, like uh, where's a nurse, occupational therapist? Uh, where's loan office, mortgage loan officer at? Yeah, you know, they actually don't have us in here, man. They have financial uh, financial manager, finance manager. No, but uh, we'll go through here and hit a few of the highlights real quick, and then we'll come back to wrap the show up. Been listening to the Money Man and Max show here on News Radio 1510 WLIC. We'll be right back in a minute. Hey, 
Hey, welcome back to the News Radio 1510 WLAC. You listen to the Money Man Mike Show here, and we are talking about the best jobs in America. And we went through the top five. I've never heard of them. Yeah, a lot of them you, you really <laughs> haven't. It's all, all high tech, tech stuff, tech savvy, data scientist, development ops engineer, data engineer, tax manager, which we all. Unfortunately, I mean, we know a tax manager, yeah. sure. We don't like the tax manager people. No offense, guys. And then uh, analytics manager. The good thing about being a tax manager is that you, we're never going to stop paying taxes. So no. there's probably opportunities in that for quite yeah. some time. It's kind of like the undertaker. You're always going to have a job. Unfortunately. But the HR managers, that comes in at number six, believe it or not. And there's like 4,300 job openings. You know, I'm basically the HR manager of my company, the head procurement manager, the, uh, <laughs> wear them all. the maintenance man and all of that. And uh, I think HR is probably one of my least favorite hats to wear. That's not a fun world. hat to wear at all. Um, let's see. about a solutions architect, a marketing manager? They're both 10 and 11. Occupational therapist at 12. There used to be this show on TV that they would go, they would drive into these neighborhoods and they would go knock on the door and they would ask what you did for a living to live in a house like that. And of course, they'd always try to find uh-huh. these prestigious neighborhoods. And it's amazing the different things that people do in the world to uh, to make a living. Exactly. And uh, I mean, going through that list is kind of like that right there. You're going, I- I've never even thought about that or never heard of no. that or, or whatever. I mean, they have mechanical engineer, communications manager. Uh, control engineers, those are all, you know, in the 20s. Uh, compliance manager, mobile developer. Are there, developer. Are there any fun-sounding jobs in there? No. Where's, I'm, like, rodeo clown? I'm looking through all this stuff, and I'm just like, uh, Probably 21. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, man, <laughs> professor, 33. Physician. There's a lot of, pro- there's a lot of professors and f- physicians around here, and so we, we have a lot of that. Account manager, 38. I mean... It's like business development manager, 40, uh, 42. Pharmacy manager, 44. National sales manager, 46. Uh, physical therapist, 49. I mean, it's just like it goes through all sorts of jobs. So, but there's all sorts of things out there that are just like, what? So for our younger listeners out there who are thinking about a career and trying to figure out what that is, it looks like you can be a data analyst or a, a, a analytical consultant there and there's plenty of opportunities there so find a college that provides those types of job programs and you should do very well in life yeah just stay in the tech sector and something along them lines you'd be fine totally fine yeah there we go (laughs) hey we're trying to teach people how to make money in the future man hey that's all about the money i get it but you know i think you have to enjoy it too what's the old saying if you if you do a job that you love you never work yeah, you never work a day in your life if you're doing a job. Let's talk about building wealth. My brother's got to sell his house. He's getting relocated to Jacksonville with his job. Bought his house two years ago over in the Hermitage area. Uh, bought it from a builder, so you know there was no deal. It was just what it was. You know how much money he's going to make in two years off his house? A lot. I mean, and it's not that high price. Probably $220,000 house when he bought it uh, two years ago. So 220000 
Right. Try a uh, sale price of two ninety five. Wow. Yeah. I was gonna say at least two fifty. Mm-hmm. So uh, so in two years, you're talking about building wealth. Yeah. Uh, he's reluctantly moving from Nashville to Jacksonville, which I said at least you're going after the floods hit. Yes. Uh, to do that, not now, but um, and you know his concern is that he's gonna have to come back and eventually have to buy a house here and going to pay those types of prices. Absolutely. Which is a very very valid concern, but uh, that just shows the type of market that we're in, where people are just getting that kind of return in a two-year period. I mean, I, I gotta take my shoes off to count how many percentages that is <laughs> over and above. But uh, but that being said, I mean, yeah, from 220 to 295, and there's not a single house for sale, a resale in his neighborhood. Why doesn't he get a professional management company to manage it and rent it out so he doesn't lose that and then go buy another property in Florida? Well, we talked about that, and uh, he's got some... Uh, uh, some financial challenges uh, when it comes to budgeting funds for that kind of stuff. Okay. So uh, we did cover that scenario, and that was something we talked about. But he's probably not a good fit for that okay. to do that, and and because he was going to do that, he, there are several commercials that play on radio stations around here. And, yes, exactly. And uh, he's spoken with those folks, and and luckily he called me where we sat down and really had a heart to heart. And he's just not not everybody's cut out to be a landlord, and right. he is one of those guys that's not cut out to be a landlord, and that would fall on my shoulders, and I really right. don't want to do that for him. So, so yeah, we did talk about that. Jimmy, you like landlording, don't you? No. <laughs> Here's the problem with landlording. You, you, all you see is the green grass on the other side, and the True green that. grass is somebody else is paying your mortgage. Here's what you don't see, the brown grass, mm-hmm. and that's when the uh, garbage disposal kicks out and uh, the dishwasher stops working or the refrigerator's leaking. And water heater goes out. You get to pay for all that stuff. You are the owner. Yes. First, when I went in my house for a year, the first six months, I don't think I made anything on rent. I mean, I was losing money every month. Yeah, and then and you know that's this is a newer house, so you maybe not have all those, but you know it was enough to where I thought it was not a good fit for him yeah. to be able to do that, and um, because he 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 lives a lifestyle. That, I mean, if he had the money, the house was paid for, and he was doing what he's you know moving to Jacksonville, I'd say yeah, he's he's got the money, he's he's good. But when you're having to hit that note, and then you know you're not even thinking about when. Let's just say there's a few months you can't get somebody to rent. Well, you get to pay that mortgage all you all by yourself. Well, Mike, you do a lot of loans for people. You 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 know that. I'll, you know, I'm not gonna say I don't want to throw everybody in this bucket here, but you know most people's equity they have is in the house. It's not necessarily in their bank account. Right. Okay. So if they're going from one house to the next, I can't tell how many people are like, man, I don't even have the money put down for earnest money on the next house, but I'm gonna make. $70,000 on this house here that I'm going to roll over right. to do that. And he's, you know, unfortunately, not unfortunately, he's just, that's how he lives. That's his position. Mm. That's his position. And so I said no. But so, you know, it does take a special person to be able to be a landlord, um, to be able to do that and, and to to not be in that position. And then you gotta, you're got you making a house payment down there and then yeah. you're trying to make repairs here. It could make it a really tough situation. Well, not only that, you, ha- you have to vet them and make sure they're going to actually pay your rent, you know? Well, see, I wouldn't I wouldn't take somebody like what Chris is talking about with his family member. I would have truly put them with a professional management company to let them handle yeah. all of that stuff. And they will, but, you ha- you know, most of these places you got to give them one month rent for as a commission, right. basically, you right. know, so that's a month he'd have to make a double payment. Right, you have to set up reserves aside because anything less than five hundred bucks, they don't want to call you. They just want to hit your reserve account for that's repair right. purposes. Yep. So then he's going to come up with another five hundred bucks to do that. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, he's got three thousand dollars out to the to the to the management company just to get going right. um, on that. And for a lot of people, that's just not a feasible situation right. to do that. So although I'd love for him to be in that position, he's just. 
he's he's not and thankfully he listened and and we're just gonna he's just gonna sell the house and go so to do that so it's just stuff people don't think about a lot i don't think no and it's 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 not for everybody it is for some people it's it is very attractive in the way jimmy said it you know the grass the grass does look very green on the other side but yet Man, it's all so brown. I mean, there's, there's. I had a rental house in Murfreesboro. Not a, I had a family member in it, and they trashed it. it cost me about ten thousand bucks to fix mm-hmm. it. Now, granted, I, I did good on the house because I bought it, bought it in a good time when the market was down, and I resold it when the market was better. Right. But I still had to pay all of that money up right. front yep, yep. to fix the house to make it sellable at that point to do that. Now, ultimately, I made, I made money, but um, to do it, so I just tell people, you know. Just got to be if you're, you 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 got to understand the risk and and we went through all the scenarios and so luckily we when we weighed the risk and the rewards it was the best way just to sell it but it's always good if you're going to rent it to kind of get with a professional and find out if that's going to be the best. Yeah, I mean it's like the everybody here gets that junk mail in the mail or you hear something that just seems too good to be true where you know you get a, a solicitation in the mail to refinance your home let's say and you see something about a 2.9% rate or 2.5% rate or 1.9% rate, and you're just like, how in the world are they advertising that kind of rate? And you're just like, whatever, you throw it out. Well, if you read the fine print, typically, it talks about you're buying down the rate, or you're paying points, or you're going into an arm, which, trust me, there's nothing wrong with an arm if it's set up right. But a lot of people freak out over that. But it's it's all about advertising. It's all about just getting you to call them. And that's all it is, is just to get you to call them. And, you know, it's it seems very attractive and so forth. And that's the same way the analogy I'm trying to make here is the same way with renting a property. It is very attractive when you're on the outside looking in and watching somebody else rent it. But when all that stuff breaks and you're getting the phone calls at midnight or you're getting having to set up that escrow account essentially on the front end for that 3 grand and you have to put out you know that money to get everything set up it's it's you don't see all that you don't see all that stuff that goes into you all you're seeing is somebody's running their property they're getting those rent payments every month and everything. Well, I mean, good. you don't have to pay the up the one upfront fee if you can bring your own tenants, but if they bring the tenant, they vet the tenant. And well, how many people are really going to bring their own tenant? Right. I mean, that's just it. So yeah. that means you have to pay them a fee, exactly. fee to do that. So, so definitely, uh, if you're somebody thinking about doing that, read the fine print, get the agreements, yes. and uh, fine print. It, you know, it does work, uh, but you just have to make sure you completely understand what you're getting yourself into, and uh, and if you're not sure, then get somebody that can help you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, we don't have much more time, but um, one last thing we want to leave with you before we get out of here. Understand the supply and demand impacts on real estate and the home values. I mean, it's real simple, and we've got a post out on the Internet about this at Money Man. Um, man, I can't speak all of a sudden. Money Man Mike Radio on Facebook. Again, Money Man Mike Radio on Facebook. Um, how supply and demand impacts real estate home values, and it's real simple. I mean, when you have a lot of people that want what you have, the price goes up. When you don't have that many people and you've got a lot of a product and you can't move it, you got to start discounting it. And right now, we don't have enough houses to sell and we got a ton of people that want houses. Therefore, we're in what's called a seller's market. And the sellers pretty much can dictate what they want to do. They can pretty much decline the offers that you want to make, get you guys into a bidding war. And until we find more houses to put on the market and balance this thing out, it's just a crazy market right now. So 
check that article out. Check it out uh, on our Facebook page again, Money Man Mike Radio, or on the internet at moneymanmike.net. Uh, you guys have a great week, and we'll check you guys out next time. Talk to you soon.